Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On this week's episode, I welcome in Annette Ferguson. So who is Annette? Let me share a little bit about her background. She is a chartered accountant, certified profit-first professional, a profit mentor, and income strategist. She is also known as the money magician who helps six, seven, and eight-figure service-based entrepreneurs and business owners find clarity in their numbers, increase their wealth, and take more money home from their business for them and their family to enjoy. Had a great conversation with Annette, both about her journey and why she's passionate about this. There's some personal stories that she shares uh, that might resonate with some out there, as well as a lot of insight into what different business owners can look at inside their business to help them you know, find the hidden money, look at different ways to structure their business so they're spending both more time with their families as well as getting more out of their business. So fascinating conversation, a lot of great insight in this one, and hope you all enjoy. So without further ado, my chat today with Annette Ferguson. Let's get it started. Annette, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you. Brian, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to uh, ch- you know, chat through a little bit of your journey, some of the different things you've been through. And, and mm. I think we can take this on a few different courses, if you will, you know, talking about how you got started, uh, but also maybe give some hope to other you know, business owners and stuff that maybe ways that they can get started better managing from a financial standpoint, mm. profit, stuff like that. So I think we can take a few different angles here. Um, I thought we'd start, though, because I think it's always interesting to share how you got to where you are today. Yeah. And just kind of touch on a few things I saw because it looked to me and, and fact check me on this, but mm. you were, you kind of went the corporate model, right? You worked with some bigger companies, Goldman Sachs, BP, mm-hmm. it looked like yeah. Yeah. some others. And then you, you made a switch and decided to yes. kind of do your own thing. I, I'm curious of how you got to that point, that realization of doing mm. your own thing. Mm. Um, what went through your mind? You know, can you, sh- you know, talk us through a little bit of that um, story back? It looked like maybe at the, the end of the last decade uh, when yeah. that happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, interestingly, that is when I made the switch. So I started up my own business 11 years ago now, just over 11 years ago. Um, but actually it's something that had been brewing significantly longer than that, because even when I was kind of leaving school and choosing to go to university and things at that point, I knew I wanted to run my own business, probably mainly because I'd come, my, my dad had his own business. So I, you know, I'd seen how that worked and I, and I wanted to run my own business, but I, also wanted to go to university. And so it was kind of, what should I study? Didn't really know. A few people said to me, well, why don't you study accounting? It'll be a nice kind of grounding for you for running a business. You know, if you understand the finances and the number side, that's going to be a really good thing. So, okay, fine. So that's what I did. I went to university to study accountancy and finance um, and then went on to do my chartered accounting training. So UK equivalent of CPA. Um, And during that time, I um, you had to study and work at the same time. So I was with a small accounting firm, small owner managed businesses as clients. um, And I really enjoyed my time there. But I felt um, once my training was up, I didn't feel I was prepared to set up my own business. I had no idea what that would look like. And, you know, I just didn't have enough experience in my view. So I went, you're right, I went down the corporate route. I got a job in banking for a while, worked for Goldman Sachs, moved into oil and gas, worked for BP and Centrica. And every time I moved roles, 
I wasn't wholly satisfied with what I was doing. I still had this kind of burning thing to set up my own business, but I just didn't know what I wanted that business to be. And after a bit of thinking, you know, kind of, you kind of pull from your past, don't you? You think, well, what was the thing I enjoyed doing? What did I like? And I kept coming back to this job that I had doing my accounting training, which was my favorite role. And I thought, actually, hang on a minute. Maybe I can actually not just make use of my accounting qualification in that it's a great qualification to have to run a business, but maybe I actually set up an accounting firm. Um, and that's, basically what I did is um, 11 years ago, I, you know, handed in my notice at work and I set up, um, set up, took the leap and set up an accounting firm at that point in time. Um, now, one thing I will say is I was very, very lucky at that point and we were able to live off my husband's salary. Um, so, you know, from that point of view, that was a relatively easy transition for us financially as a family. I know that a lot of people don't have it quite so quite so seamless um, on that side. But I was very lucky at that point that, um, you know, we didn't need my business to be giving us money from day one, which well, did certainly help. Well, and everyone's situation is different. I mean, mm, that, that was yeah. where you were at. Yeah. Um, but my curiosity is around, so let's assume you had an easier path mm. and maybe, hey, your husband had a salary, but yeah. well, you're still cutting your salary in half or at least. A, yes, yes. The household income um, was certainly reduced and significantly. Two, um, and this actually may be, again, kind of a weird tangent, but, mm. you know, in talks about relationships and communication and stuff, how did those conversations with your husband go? Did you just spring on him one day? Was this something you had yeah. talked about for many years? Can you yeah. share a little bit of that uh, communication between the two of you? Yeah, absolutely. No, it wasn't a sudden, you know, come home from work one day and go, surprise! <laughs> Not at all. He always knew that I had always intended to set up a business. It was, you know, it was very kind of open conversation from when we first met pretty much because, you know, for even before that, I, that was something I'd wanted to do. So that was always kind of part of the dialogue. But more of the discussion was when is the right time for you to do that? When, you know, when should we do that? Um, that was more the um, the conversation rather than, you know, I've got this idea, honey. It wasn't, it wasn't like that at all for us because it was always underlying. But, um, but yeah, there was, there had to be a discussion around when is a good time. You know, we just got married. We were at some point wanting a family. And so it was like, well, where does that slot in to it all as well? You know, how do we, and of course, you know, no plan ever survives battle, but how do we actually put all these pieces together? So the thing has kind of happened roughly in the order that might make sense to our lives. Did, uh, when you said you put your two weeks in, had you already mm. set up kind of some initial, like, did you have some clients yeah. you wanted to work with and stuff, or were you just going to start then? No, it's a, um, I did have some clients set up. So I basically started, um, I, and, and incidentally, this was completely against my contract of employment. So my contract of employment actually had a clause in it, which said you can't set up on your own. You can't have this kind of side thing, but I sort of did it anyway course don't recommend that to people if it's against your contact with employment probably not best to breach that but that is what I did and um and actually what happened was I was I was using my my annual leave to you know go to networking events and conferences I was you know trying to have phone calls with prospects in my car at lunchtime so I was trying to kind of fit this around um my full-time job and 
it got to a point um, that, you know, one weekend, my husband and I sat down and I said, I am really struggling with time. I think I'm going to have to, you know, see if I can go part time or give up work or do something because actually I just don't, I just can't fit it all in anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of spoke about it at that weekend and it was like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, let's speak to, speak to your manager on Monday. We'll see what we can do. Now, by interesting twist of fate, I go into the office on Monday morning and my manager calls me into his office and he says, um, it's come to my attention that I think you're running a business because I had been active on social media. Mm. Somebody, somebody in the business had found me and pointed this out to my manager. Um, and it was the very early stages of social at that point in time, but I had been using Twitter a lot to try and um, to try and garner clients. And so um, they pointed out to my manager. So my manager said to me, you know, you have a choice. Um, either you continue your business and hand in your notice, you stop your business and continue working here. Which do you choose? Um, and I said, well, clearly I'm going to continue with my business. And he said, that's fine. You know, I expect my, your resignation on my desk. And I said, yeah, that's no problem at all. And then, then after the meeting ended, as an aside, he said, by the way, I think this is a great idea. Well done. Um, so it was a lovely, it was a nice. lovely end to a meeting that could have gone significantly worse than that. And, um, you know, it was very, it was a kind of nice departure from there as well, which was lovely. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, that's a probably a good, you know, I guess, springboard to, mm -hmm. you know, one of the next thoughts I wanted to chat about a little bit, if we go ahead a few years, because at least from some of the research I did, it's not like it was all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Oh, like no. you were working your tail off, but weren't making any money or anything like that. Yeah. Can you share kind of that point? And mm. then really the aha moment that happened yeah. when, when you had your, your child, maybe, maybe yes. that's a good you know, spot to speak about. Yeah, absolutely. So I was, you know, I was going to all the networking events under the sun. I was, I mean, this is this is 11 years ago, remember? So it's kind of pre really a lot of stuff happening on social. Social was around, but it wasn't nearly as prolific as it is now. So I was doing a lot of local networking. I was getting clients. I was getting revenue, but um, I seemed to be spending it all. It didn't seem to come to us at all. So, you know, my the, it, I was building up and up the client base. But like you say, I felt like I was chasing my tail the whole time. I felt like I was working all these hours and it felt like nothing was coming back to us as a family at all. And it was it was getting pretty frustrating, to be honest. It was getting um, it was getting. Yeah, it was getting annoying <laughs> um, in reality. You know, my business got to the point where it was a six figure revenue, but we were taking home a pittance from it, you know, like a couple hundred quid here and there it really was nothing um compared to the revenue level it just all seemed to be going back out and um when I then had as you said um my son Brock I then had um had him and at six weeks old he actually um had a they called it an uh, unexplained threat to life event, which is not something you ever want associated with a small child. But thankfully, it all was good and he was fine. But it meant that he was rushed into hospital and, um, and he was six weeks old. I had taken no maternity time off at all because I felt like I, keep, I needed to keep being there and driving the business. And, you know, I couldn't afford cover because I was already spending all the money that was coming in and all this kind of stuff. And whilst I was in hospital with him and I still had, you know, clients contact me, I'm still trying to juggle with my phone and this 
tiny baby, et cetera, et cetera. And that was my enough is enough moments. At that point, it was like, what am I doing? I'm doing all this. And to all intents and purposes, I'm not being paid. Yes, my clients are paying the business, but to all intents and purposes, I'm earning no wage from this. What am I doing? Um, and that was a real wake up moment for me. At that point in time, I ha- had o- I also had just found the book Profit First, which I often have a copy to hand. I'm not sure if I have one. Uh, no, I don't have quite quite one here at my different desk. But um, I had found a book um, called Profit First by Mike Malkowitz, and I um, Brock was a terrible sleeper, and so I used to do a lot of reading of books during night feeds <laughs> when I was up with him, and and I devoured the book. And these kind of two things happened within the same week. And I read this book and I thought, oh my goodness, this is the answer. Profit First, for those of you that don't know, is is fundamentally a cash management system. It basically helps your business manage cash in a way that delivers you more profit, more take home for yourself and ensures that you've got money set aside for tax time. That's basically what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I read this book and it was like, a, oh my goodness, I need to do this. What, what do I need to do? I need to implement this. I need to become certified. I need to do all the things. So I contacted um, Profit First Headquarters and said, I need to be certified. I need to teach this to people. This is amazing. And they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to have it implemented in your own business and working first, then we'll speak about certification. So that's exactly what I did. I went away, implemented it in my own business. And I started kind of taking a step back from my business at that point and looking at it and almost as if I would as a client's business, you know, for the client had come to me with that, what would I have done? And that's basically what I did. I took that step back and said, okay, let's get a plan in place. Let's get profit first in place. And let's actually look at this as if it is someone else's business and work that model. And that's basically what I did. And it, um, it turned everything around. So um, from that place of basically feeling like I had no money from the business, feeling like I was just, you know, resentful of the business, et cetera, et cetera. 18 months later, my husband actually left his um, full-time job to become a full-time stay-at-home dad. Um, I was then pregnant with our second at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we lived off my business from, from then Till now. Well, so a couple uh, underscore a couple of things there. Mm. Uh, maybe go dive in a little deeper. So, yeah. would you? Would, well, one, what was the what was probably the biggest thing that you found? Like the first thing you uncovered, mm. the profit first model that was yeah. impactful for your business. What, was there one specific? Are they like, oh my gosh? Yeah, I um, I guess the big thing for me was uncovering what I now call money leaks in my business. So spending that was happening that pretty much wasn't delivering me a return. Um, And, you know, that went in all areas. It went for kind of bits of software and that kind of stuff that, you know, you sign up for a 20 pound one here and you sign up for a five pound one over there. And before you know it, you're spending 200 pounds a month on tech you never, ever use. Or tech that has way more features than you're ever ever going to need and therefore actually what are you doing so there was those kinds of things that were happening there was also um, at that point I had a couple of contractors on board and basically I wasn't um, pricing at a level that covered their all their costs properly when I was doing it so they were the really two big things that I had was the um, looking at the contractor side of things and making sure that every single client was profitable for me 
when I wasn't doing the work, if someone else was doing the work, were they still profitable? You know, if I was paying for someone else's time, did that still work? Which I think is a big thing that a lot of um, startups and, and small businesses can get into that, yes, you know, they're quoting for, uh, for work and it's profitable at the point in time where they're doing it, it's just their time. But as you grow and scale and you start to get help on board, is it still profitable at that same price level when you're paying someone else to do the work as well? So those two things, the kind of money leaks element and then that element of actually when I started to bring in people to support me, things didn't work on that side because it wasn't fully layered in. So those were the two, those were two biggies where I was like, whoa, okay, something really needs to change here. Were you just not charging enough for the like the clients? You weren't charging enough money to cover it, the, the delta? It wasn't... It wasn't even that. It was more like I wasn't controlling the time that was being put in, in terms of the delivery. So actually, our I mean, this was now kind of six years ago. Our prices haven't increased that much since yet. Then, of course, they've kind of tracked up with inflation, et cetera. But, but they've, not, they've not had to leap up to cover that. It was basically the tracking of of team time and that kind of side of things that I just was not keeping an eye on at all, was not managing that. And I was not kind of stepping up as a leader in that area at all. And that was causing, that okay. was causing so kind was, of underlying leakage, basically. It was more resource management. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that kind of circles me back somehow uh, perfectly <laughs> to one of the other questions I was going to ask mm. was when you're in the hospital and mm. you're kind of thinking through how you're being overwhelmed. Yeah. Did it occur to you also with the systems you had in place? Because, you know, I, I hear this a lot. You know, I used to hear this a lot, obviously, with Tim Ferriss. I follow, mm-hmm. you know, about four-hour work yeah. week and those type of things around, you know, putting the systems in place yeah. to almost remove you from the business. Mm, yeah. How how did that, I guess, conversation internally go? Because it feels, it probably feels weird. Like, I got to take myself yeah. out to mm. have more time with the family. But how did you set up the right systems in place as well, besides just the money? Mm. Uh, but also systems to maybe automate some things or put yeah. more in other people's control. Yeah, I think, you know, what I think that side of the business is is always evolving and always kind of growing and getting better um, for us anyway. I'm still not at the place where I can step away for a month and things just work. There are still bits that rely on me now. At some point, I'm hoping to be able to step away for a month and things to work. But, um, but you know, there's still bits that, that don't. But saying that, um, I think a lot of it is um, really about, for, for me, it was kind of moving the client relationship, actually. So almost so we were in control of the relationship um, as well. So... You know, clients knew what to expect when we were, you know, pro- we moved to being very proactive with our communications and with our kind of model, how we worked, when people would have calls, it, how they scheduled them, all those kinds of things, so that um, it less felt like I was on call with clients all the time. So that was one big thing that we brought in. And yeah, absolutely, automation, kind of linking up bits of software, all that kind of stuff all came as part of that too in reality. Um, but like I say, I feel like I feel like systems and processes are things that we are always tweaking, building, changing. You know, as the business grows and scales, mm-hmm. you uncover more things that you think, oh, okay, didn't expect that one over there. <laughs> right, we need to put a system in place for it. So, you know, I think that, um, I think that 
systems at that, at that time, I really did not have very many systems and processes. Yes, we kind of had operational ones for like, how do you produce accounts? How do you do the tax return? But we didn't have all the support kind of systems in place at that point. Okay. Mm. So there's two things I wrote down here and, and you can take them, dealer's choice here. You're tri- okay. you, you pick which one you want to start with, but I wrote down money mindset mm. and hidden money. Mm. I thought these might be two important topics for especially folks listening in that maybe they have a side hustle or starting their business or in a business. Yeah. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Let's uh... Uh, let's start with money mindset. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, so it, it, what's away. your definition of that? <laughs> I mean, I, I have my idea um, of what it is. Mm. What's your definition of money mindset? Um, so for me, um, it is basically around how you think about money. And the thing is that that can be conscious or subconscious. And for many, many people, um, they have kind of money stories that they bring into their business that perhaps they were told in childhood. Um, You know, these are things that I know that I've heard myself before even say to my children, something will come out of my mouth and I'll think, where did that come like I don't even think I believe that where did that come from I'm pretty sure my mom used to say that to me like how did how is this coming out my mouth um and it's those types of things that can often trip us up coming into business you know people have these kind of you know you have to work really really hard to make good money or you know only crooks have money uh you know these types of things Mm -hmm. that actually you know, on the surface level, we go, that's ridiculous. But actually, ingrained deep down, there's these kind of flows that come through that we think, mm, yeah. Or the kind of, you know, who am I to make money? You, you know, what those types of things, they can really come and bite us when it comes to running a business. Right. Um, so what I say to people is, if those things come up for you, just write down the evidence that you have that it's just not true. You know, trying to get some logic in there, which basically says, okay, you know, if I think that only, you know, if, if I hear my kind of brain telling me, well, only crooks have money, write down the people that you know and that you're friends with that are not crooks that have money. You know, g- give yourself that kind of logical balance that says, actually, brain, thank you for that thought, but that's not actually true because of this, this, and this. Thank you, brain. I'll ignore that thought. And, you know, trying to get yourself into, into a frame of mind that is more positive around money because money is okay to want. It's okay to enjoy money. It's okay to make money. Um, there shouldn't and doesn't need to be a stigma around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you're right. It definitely comes from upbringing. I remember the same mm. thing with me growing up. Like, it was always this, like, you know, oh, I don't need to make a lot of money, and and whoever you know, whoever's making a lot of money is yeah, they're they're yeah. working way too hard. They're yeah. you know, they're, they're doing something, um, mm. and and maybe they're not as happy or something like you know yeah, some of these, yeah. these self limiting beliefs we, mm. we kind of come to. So, uh, but I certainly agree with that. I, I I'm thinking on from a mindset standpoint, how do you work with? Because again, a lot of the mm. different folks you you work with, right? It, there's a the professional aspect. But there's also the personal, right? It's mm-hmm. their, they might be running a business, a lot of people, but they have their own, you know, issues. Like maybe they have credit card debt or whatever. So yeah. how do you bridge the gap on, you know, business type conversations mm-hmm. and how do you improve your business versus, hey, your personal, you know, affairs are jacked up. Like that's yeah. why you're making bad business choices. 
Yeah, and we often, we often overlap the two, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, for example, if we're looking at how much money someone needs to take out a business, they will say, well, I've got this credit card debt I need to pay off or this student loan I need to pay off. So we go, okay, well, we need to take account of that. And we're looking at how much money you get out of the business. Yeah. You know, so often, often the conversations do cross over and people do, you know, speak about what their personal finance situation is. And, and we kind of need to know that in to some level as well, because, you know, if, if I'm, if we're setting up their business in a certain way to take a certain amount of money home, if that's not going to cover their personal finances and their debt repayments, et cetera, then there's a problem there. There's a real, real disconnect. So we need to be able to actually be aware of what's happening in their personal finances. And some people, you know, tell us a huge amount about that. And some people just give us bits, but we need to, we need to at least know the flavor of it so that we can make sure that the business is moving to a place where it can completely support that. And also the business is moving to a place where it can support not just their current financial position, but where they want to go in their personal finances as well. Mm. well what, so what about, uh, what about hidden money? If we, mm. if we switch to that. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's a lot of money that is hidden in everybody's business, including my own. Um, and I think sometimes we can be um, really, uh, focused on the new client, the next lead, the, the new person. But actually, there can be a lot of money that you can release in your business from your current clients who want to go deeper with you, upgrade with you, whatever that might be. Your current audience who actually, if you just said to them, would you like to get on a sales call with me? They say, yes, actually I would. You know, there can be all these things that are really simple in our business, but sometimes we can just overlook them because they seem too simple or actually we're off chasing the next, um, the next, you know, shiny thing over there. We're doing the webinar or we're doing the whatever. When actually, if we sat down and looked at what our business has at the moment, there can be, you know, hidden gems in there that can easily release money out of them rather than having to chase the next thing at the same time. And how do, how do folks get focused on that? Is that mm. like, how did they just, I, I guess, you know, cause you just made a great example there. It was like, mm. Hey, current clients, there's a lot of opportunity to upgrade, but you know, we often forget that. So yeah. are there certain practices they could do to start to uncover or look mm. at areas of their business or bucket them out? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is that, that many business owners don't actually uh, give themselves, which is probably doing the business a disservice, is thinking time, is actually time during the working day to strategically think about their business. Because most of the time we're in there, we're working on all this stuff, we're servicing clients, or we're dealing with our team, or we're, you know, we're, we're in, in the trenches a lot of the time. And the day ends and they're like, okay, family time. And, and there's nothing, you know, there's no clear head time often as well. Um, so I think, you know, the more strategic thinking time that people can put in their diaries the more you'll be able to uncover this stuff by just thinking about your business in a strategic way and thinking about where could there, you know, just getting that clear head time and then going, okay, where could there be money in my business? Where could I find that that I don't need to spend money on to get? Um, but it's, it's time 
basically um, that is going to help with that. There's there's no kind of magic formula for it, unfortunately. But um, but I think that I think not enough business owners have enough clear head time to think strategically in their business most of the time. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot then, mm. <laughs> just for fun, because we're talking a lot of obviously a lot of stuff where you know kind of how do we improve, get better. What yeah. are like where's one area you see if you self reflect on your business that you're struggling mm. and maybe you're gonna put focus on it in the next year or so? Is there anything as you go through your thought process? Yeah, all right. What you want to work on? Absolutely, um, and we've, we're just putting a plan in place for this one right now. Um, there's actually two areas that we're putting a plan in. So one is our email marketing is weak. Um, it is not where it needs to be at all. Um, we've just speaking to, we're currently speaking to a new kind of um, digital agency to help and support us on that side. So um, that is one area that's really, really weak for us and historically has been um, over a number of years. So I wanted to shore that up. And the second thing is a um, is a uh, kind of proper, in inverted commas, referral strategy in our business. So yes, we get referrals from current clients. It's a great, you know, it's a great um, source of introductions for us and you know we're incredibly grateful when they come through but we want to systemize that and actually get a systemized process in place for it rather than then just kind of happening every so often so they're the two big focus areas for us this year and actually both of those are areas that uh, don't need tons of money spent on them and they are hidden money areas in our business for right. sure well with email marketing you were probably spending money and you're like Mm. why am I not getting any return yeah. on this? Like something's yeah. wrong here. Yeah, exactly. We, we, like we, we could, we know that we weren't getting, you know, great click through rates from stuff. And, you know, we could see that actually um, the data was telling us our email marketing is clearly weak here. You know, we're getting more opt outs than I think we probably should do. And we're not getting great click through rates. Therefore something's funny here. We need to look at this area. And so that's, you know, that's what people can do. In, in certain parts of your business, there will be data that tells you how stuff is performing and then tweaking that. Yeah. Were you doing that all in-house and now you're saying, hey, I'm going to look for a, a digital agency to kind of... Exactly. To bolster that bit. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're doing we're doing that we're doing that in-house at the moment. Um, and then our, yeah, the agency that we're speaking to has is going to look at that side of things along with... Um, our ads and stuff as well, some Facebook ad stuff. So yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I think the referral that's a yeah, that's a no brainer. It's like it's a what, complete yeah, no brainer. Like, why have we not systemized this? I've probably had this on my to do list for about six years. Like, why have we not systemized this fully? And we we do you know we do the odd email that says remember and refer, but it's just not systematic enough at all. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What um what was the reason you decided to start a podcast? Mm, good question. Well, my podcast, Uncover Wealth Radio, this is the, the third or fourth go at me starting a podcast. <laughs> so um, I, I really wish I'd kept with it the first time I began, because I think the first time I began must have been sometime, it must, I mean, it was a long, long time ago. I think it was probably sometime around 2012. Oh, wow. You were so early to the game. Really early. But I didn't stick it out. I didn't have any longevity at all. I think I lasted about four months at that stage. Um, I just, you know, that's one of my big regrets. I don't have many, but that is one of my big regrets. Had I stuck to podcasting, who knows where my podcast would be right now. So I knew, I, I knew the value in it. And I think mainly because I'm a big podcast listener myself. I love listening to podcasts. And so... For me, I could completely, from the very, very beginning, really see a um, 
see how it was going to be a big thing. I could completely see that. I completely got that. At that time, you know, I was um, the first podcast I ever subscribed to was Amy Porterfield's um, podcast. And I, I knew what time it came out every Thursday and I was there ready to listen to it. And I, so I could see the power in it really, really on. So to say the first one lasted about four months, second time, a couple of years later, did about the same. Third, why, can, I, can I pause for a second? Why did yeah. you stop after four months? Basically because I was doing everything. I was doing the recording, the editing, the show notes, the graphics. I am not creative on that that type of creative at all and um and yeah it was just it, it just bored me to tears basically um I enjoyed the recording the rest of it I absolutely hated I did so I didn't prioritize it and I prioritized other things instead that I enjoyed more I mean that's that's the basic reason um and it was the same the second time <laughs> the third time and I think this is either third or fourth time lucky. We've been we've been going over a year now. So I feel like I feel like it's completely in the flow. It's all good now. Um and you know, my team are doing all the stuff that I am terrible and hate. The editing, the show notes, the imagery, the posting, all that stuff is taken care of. All I need to do is record, which is absolutely where I need to be in that cycle of things. <laughs> That's a good lesson, though. I mean, if, mm. if you don't like to do that, it's yeah. it, but you want to keep going that tussle, you know, in the in the mind, it's yeah, yeah. go out and, and find people. Yes, you might have to pay some money yeah. for it. Yeah. But if you feel like it's going to be valuable, it's it's keep going because it, it, it's one thing I've learned. I've been doing this thing over three years now. Mm, it's nice. the uh, it's the consistency. It is. You know, you have to. You have to put, I mean, I'm just starting to get traction within yeah. the last year. Yeah. I mean, those first two years, just kind of like you grinding through it. You are, and you're kind of like, hello, is anybody, is anybody there? Yeah, I mean, is anybody actually listening? <laughs> well, I mean, and, and the other thing is, I mean, you start realizing, and, and I don't know about yourself of, in terms mm. of the structure and stuff, but you start realizing, mm. hey, there's so much out there. So it's hard yeah. to break through the noise. You got to just slowly, again, keep having great guests, mm-hmm. having good conversations. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and keep putting it out there and, and you never know and it may not come mm. to anything but at least yeah. you're putting out the content that you want and, uh, exactly. and that you want to share with the world yeah exactly exactly so how do you how do you structure um i looked at a little bit it, it mm. seems like you're ta- it's kind of you doing some stuff do you do any interviews or how, i do, how do you some interviews yeah so i do do some interviews um I do a lot of solo episodes um and then we have the odd interview kind of interspersed here and there so we probably have an interview every five-ish episodes, something like that. Um, so yeah, yeah. Is that um, more, is that a fun project for you, or is that more of like is that like one of your you know like email marketing mm. referral? Is that like kind of a, a sales-ish strategy? Mm. How do you structure it? I really enjoy the podcast. Actually, I really enjoy um, I enjoy both the podcast and I enjoy doing kind of live video and things. Those are two things that I really really like doing. Um, so yeah, that's fun for me. If I if I restructured my day and all I did was kind of podcast interviews, interviewing other people for my podcast, recording, I would be completely fine with that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's not a bad day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, so as folks are, are thinking through their business mm-hmm. and and how to, and again, we can take it obviously from a profit, you know, mm. dollars, money standpoint, anything else, maybe it's something more recent you've kind of been considering or working with the clients on anything folks should be mm. thinking about as they head into 2021 um, about their business, the structure of, of the cash mm. flow and those type of things. 
Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So one thing that I've been speaking about a lot lately is um, a kind of interesting observation that I've had. And this actually came about from a conversation that I had with my husband. And it was, you know, we were speaking about uh, corporates and their, when they announce their, their earnings and their share price, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we were saying how, because we he worked in corporate before as well, and we were saying how with a with a corporate, the they know what their profit is going to be at the beginning of the year. They know what their profit will be for the next year. It is all marked out, it's all budgeted, and every department has to come in on budget. Like that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. Every single department has to come in on budget, which means the entire corporation comes in on budget, otherwise their share price goes crazy. The market is not happy if they are off what they're what they're what they you know their pre-announcements and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that has not been brought into small business, but it easily, easily can be. Because in small business, what happens is people kind of get the money in and they spend the money. But there's there's very little, there's not many small businesses are actually set, sitting down and going, okay, well, what is the budget? What is the forecast? What are we going to earn next year? Because most small business owners will say, oh, what, how can I, I can't. I can't figure that out. How do I know? How do I know what my revenue is going to be? How do I don't know what my costs are going to be? How can I possibly know? But you can know because the data is in your business. You can know. And that's the beauty is that actually, you know, as we're recording this, I don't know, of course, when it's going out, but as we're recording this in December, you know, you could sit down and say, what is my business going to do in 2021? What am I going to take home from it crucially? Um, and how much do I need to set aside for tax to do that? And you could do that. You can examine the data in your business and you could get there. And that is a much more comfortable place to be if you can say, you know, to your partner or to yourself, I am going to be taking home this each month in my business because this is my budget Hmm. and this is my plan. And, um, And small businesses can do that. There's no reason that they can't. Well, and and I think to your point is you're using the data you have Mm, and you're organizing yeah. it. And a lot of this is, it's, it's actually funny. I'm, um, I'm finishing up a book uh, called Thinking in Bets by a professional poker player, former, I think she still plays, but Annie okay. Duke. And it's really good, but it's one of the parts in there that talk about is, you know, how you can, from better decision-making processes, you start from the future and work backwards. Mm. Like, hey, I want to make half a million dollars next year. Okay, yeah. great. That's how? my goal. How do I mm. do it? Let's work backwards. Yeah to start setting the plan in action. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Now, obviously mm. companies do it a different way, but they're looking at data they have for years and years and saying, hey, where do we want to go? And then mm-hmm. I think once they, they make the number, it's can we achieve that? Well, exactly. yes, because we've walked through these checkpoints. So yeah, I, absolutely. I think that's a good and way of just, looking at And it's just a question of finding out the actions that you need to take then mm-hmm. each week, each month to deliver the results. And if you know things like your conversion rate, your cost of a lead, those kind of things, then you can get there. You can put the pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. Well, part of that, that, that's probably life advice for anything because Mm. it's like, if you want to do a podcast or you want to write a book or something, you know, it's like, well, you got to sit down and do it and Mm. you got to put the plan in, you know, Hey, do you want a book written by next year? Okay, great. Well then how much do you have to write? How many words per, you know, and then you kind of map it out. That's what I did. This book I'm right now. That's what Mm. I did. I I kind of mapped it out and realized how many words I had to do per day and stuff. So I think that's, 
yeah, that can probably be applied to a few different areas of life. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, so let me ask you this. Um, mm. Let's talk about advice a little bit. I want to go yeah. back to your, your teenage self. Mm. You got to go back, go, go way back in the way yes. back machine. It's a while ago. <laughs> wow, me too. And, uh, but I want you to think about, you know, the, the young and that kind of growing mm. up and what would be the most impactful piece of advice? Like if you were, we were in an alternate mm. dimension here and you could go back and hand them something that, you know, maybe it's on a post-it note, something very small and concise they can carry with them. What mm. would you share with them is, is maybe one great piece of advice to, to help them forward? Oh gosh. Um, I feel like I should probably write her a book, but <laughs> one, one small piece of advice is probably, um, it's, it's, it's an age old one that's been said many, many times over, but it's don't sweat the small stuff. The, you know, it's, it's, it's all small stuff. And that's, you know, I think that's, I think that applies over many areas of your life. Did you feel like you got caught up in a lot of the the worry, the the thinking about stuff, and kind of putting more pressure on yourself? Is that yeah. why you're feeling Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, I for many many years had that the kind of, I guess, the sort of affliction that many small business owners do, particularly in the early years, which is, you know, what if it all ends tomorrow? What if I wake up one day and it's all gone? Then you know, what am I going to do? Um, and, and I was caught up in that thinking for a long time. And that thinking does not serve you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no point. There's no point in worrying about those things that you can't control. Yeah. Which is easier said than done. I agree. Well, but <laughs> but, but, I, but to, to your point, though, I think it's, you know, not sweating the small stuff mm. is doesn't mean you can't think about it. No. But it's like you, you have to at some point move on, right? You yeah, have to don't understand. get caught in the spiral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so where can everyone connect with you online? I know you got your Facebook group and everything. Yeah. We share with everyone where's the best to, to connect. Thank you, Brian. So you can find me uh, inside Facebook. I run the Uncover Wealth Community, and I would love to have your uh, listeners come and join us in there. You just need to type Uncover Wealth Community into the search bar on Facebook and find us that way. Um, I also, of course, have Uncover Wealth Radio, my podcast as well, which would be uh, lovely if people want to come and tune in and have a listen. And my uh, website is annetteandco.co.uk if you want to check out all our content oh, is housed in there as well. That has been fabulous. Always good to connect with folks around the world, um, you know, not just here in the U.S., but obviously over there where you're at. So it's yeah. good to connect. And, uh, and I certainly appreciate you sharing a lot of your, uh, your wisdom um, on the podcast today. Thank you. I really, really appreciate being on, Brian. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by. Um, if you wanted to connect further, please head over to my website, brianondraco.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O.com. As well as connect with me on Instagram or Twitter at Brian Andraco, or search me on LinkedIn, just Brian Andraco. Um, I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.